So really just going to share with you the thinking behind this. As, as Margaret says, we, we did have Saturday morning meetings before Arise Scotland, and we were doing the School of the Supernatural for a wee while um, on a Saturday morning. So it is a slot that we that we um, we're, we're used to having. Um, but we just really felt, um, or I, I just felt leading from the Lord to start this particular uh, meeting up. And the Lord told me to call it the gathering, okay? And there's a, a couple of things uh, connected with that. I'll, I'll read a couple of scriptures to you um, that are pertinent to that, that I just felt the Lord was, was, was saying, it's, it's about gathering. And we're going to find out why um, as, as I share later. Um, but gathering is something that's very scriptural. Joel chapter 2 says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred, call a solemn assembly. Now, I'm not asking you to fast this morning. We're having rose and sausage, so uh, we certainly fast until then. Um, but what, he, what he's really saying is get serious. Okay? And, you know, I was sharing that in Bible college the other night. It's so important at this time, these momentous times that we live in, that we get really serious with, with the Lord about positioning ourselves, okay? Uh, positioning for awakening. And, and we'll, we'll look at that. Or positioning for revival. I'm not saying these terms are adequate terms. And that's one of the things we're going to really share with you this morning. But then it says, Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes. Gather the people, it says. Joel chapter 2, verse 16. So really that's what I felt the Lord was saying to me. Gather the people. Uh, now, you know, uh, there, are, there are folks that are, were intending to come, sent their apologies, they'll be here at future meetings and so on. So we're going to have... But that's, that's our mandate from the Lord is to gather the people. But the main scripture, and I want to share this with you because it ties in with a vision that David had. Um, David had this vision, I think the first night when we remember Arise Scotland used to be on a Friday night, he had a very profound and clear vision from the Lord. Um, and I'll share it in a minute, but I'll read the scriptures to you. It's Isaiah chapter 60. And it says, And I say, we're going to look at this, Your light has come, the glory of Yahweh has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But Yahweh will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Uh, verse 4 says, Lift up your eyes all around the sea. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons and your daughters, sorry, your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. What he's saying here is sons and daughters are coming. And he's talking about gathering again. They'll gather. And David had this vision uh, way back a couple of years now of very clear outside in that street, the place, you know, crowds and throngs of people. Am I right? And cars and all, all coming. And incidentally, as we'll see as we read this, uh, as we read on here, there were governmental people, they said. Yeah. Oh. Amen. There were governmental people coming out with, with, the, with the throngs. And I saw that as harvest. Yeah. So it's not just believers, Christians, 
you know, it's people are coming, sons and daughters speaks about spiritual children. Amen. People getting born again and coming. So in honor of that, we just, and the Lord says to me, call at the gathering and just have a meeting um, for that purpose. So we believe in God that all these seats be filled. It's not about that, folks. It's not about having crowds for the crowd's sake so that you can boast or say, oh, yeah, right. But folks, nations and multitudes are our destiny. Amen? Oh. Multitudes are part of what we're about. And, it, you know, Jesus said, look at the harvest, it's ripe. He says, you guys don't see it far off. Oh, it's four months. Oh, the harvest is, oh yes, Lord, we know it's coming. It's going to come one day. He says, no, the harvest is now. The fields are ripe now. So what I want to, uh, what I want to hope that you would pick up here is that we believe God for harvest. Okay, and I don't just mean in here. You, you all go to different churches, but harvest where you are. Amen. Harvest where you church. Harvest where you, where, where you do life. Harvest in your life. Harvest in your church. Harvest in your assembly. And we, we just believe that what this meeting's about is positioning us for that. Preparing us for that. That word expectation, that's going to be a big word. Okay? A big, big word. <coughs> so I'm, I'm just going to get in and share what the Lord said. Uh, and I just hope that, or I believe, should I say, that we're all going to pick this up and leave here today. You know, I don't just mean inspired or, oh, that was a great message or whatever. It's always a great message when I'm preaching. We know that. <laughs> Amen? Um, but but, but we ha that we catch this vision. And I, I know we've all got the vision for revival awakening. And I want to share with you why those words are inadequate. I've always tr been troubled by them. And I, I use those words all the time. Revival, awakening, outpouring. We use them because that's what we're used to. We use them because, in a sense, we're conditioned. And there's nothing wrong with them. And they're great words. You know, when you talk about church, let's, you know, as you go to church on Sunday, it's a whole different level from, are, you, are we having revival type thing? Revival means a way bit more than just business as usual church. So an awakening is like a step up that slope. That's a high level revival. An outpouring can be, you know, we use these terms, but I don't know that they're adequate terms. And so what I want to do is share with you what the Lord's shown me, because I live in Isaiah chapter 60. I live in Isaiah 60. Okay, and, and here's the thing. You and I, we all need to live in Isaiah 60 because Isaiah chapter 60 is, I believe, a picture of what God wants to do in these last days. And, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm not name dropping, I'm just quoting some names that think, thought, think the same. Peter Wagner would speak about Isaiah chapter 60. Bill Johnson is like, he lives in Isaiah chapter 60 along with other passages. Because Isaiah 60, it's not a picture of how things are, it's a picture of how things should be. You say amen? Yeah? So Isaiah chapter 60 is where, you see, this is, this is what the Lord says. 
if Isaiah 6, if you live in a, sorry, if, if, if we get Isaiah chapter 60 to live in us, then we'll live it in our circumstances. Does that make sense? If Isaiah 60 is more real to you than, than watching Sky News and seeing petrol prices are going up, gas prices are doubling, uh, pandemics across the earth, nuclear war, the threat of nuclear war. In other words, the four horsemen, they're riding the earth. Oh! Aren't oh. they? The four horsemen, we've had plague, oh. we're having war, famine is hot on its heels. In fact, a couple of weeks ago I was saying famine is coming. Famine is here, folks. Shortage is here, scarcity is here. They're saying in America that, that they're running out of diesel. Seriously running out of diesel. Now, how long before we run out of diesel? Who's got a diesel car I have? Yeah? So, you understand, it's the four horsemen, but the fourth horseman's death. Okay? Now, people say, well, it's not really the time of the four horsemen. Um, what it is, is that the devil is trying to speed it up. The devil's trying to make it happen. It doesn't matter. It's still the four horsemen. Amen? It's still the four horsemen Riding the earth, bringing plague, war, famine, death. At levels we've not seen for a long time. Now, I know people, uh, you know, the Second World War, things like that. We've always had wars. We've had probably, maybe in a sense, worse plagues in history. But this is just the tip of the iceberg. And I'm not a doom and gloom preacher, folks. So what I'm saying to you is because these things are happening in the earth then God always has a response and you know if you always if you look there's always revival either just before a major war or just after a major war just before the first world war there was a Pentecostal outpouring there was a Welsh revival there was all these great moves of God across the earth just after the second world war we had the latter rain revival or the latter rain movement which is, is, is an amazing thing uh, to study. Anyway, what I'm trying to say to you is, is that when the devil, the evil one, is doing his thing in the earth, whether it's the end times or not, God has a response. And I believe that God responds to what's happening in the earth today, because I do believe it's end times, is Isaiah chapter 60. Okay? So we're going to look at a wee bit at that. I'm not going to read the whole chapter as such. Uh, but we ought, you ought to be... I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what I do. I have this... Uh, there's a wonderful... Um, on YouTube. It's the New King James Version. And it's to music. Okay? So all the Bible to music. So I've got Isaiah chapter 60. And I play it on loop all the time. Okay? So I live in this chapter because I want this chapter to live in me. Amen? And so, uh, I shared something on Facebook and I'll, I'll just reiterate it because it just came into my mind there. It was Cal Pierce who said, we don't need another meeting. We need another encounter. And so, we're hoping, we're believing, not just hoping, but we are hoping, but we're believing that these gatherings, these meetings, the gathering, will be encounters, you know, not just, oh, there's a meeting on in Saturday. 
I don't want folks to come to a meeting. I want people to encounter God in our meeting. So, anyway, arise, shine. Verse 1, Isaiah chapter 60. For your light has come. And I shared this, I think, the other night in Bible college. Margaret can correct me. <laughs> but I'm sure I said, the arising and the shining is not what God does. You know, the big problem about looking for God to move is that we, we fall into, I would say, traps. And one of the traps is we think revival is God's going to just zap us one day. Amen? Uh, we, we won't really be aware of it until it happens. We're not able, we can't make revival happen, pastor. Okay? We don't have to make revival happen because that's not, you know, God will do it in his sovereign will. Well, a lot of people have lived long lives of Christian witness, service, living, believing that, and they're in the grave now. Oh, well, God didn't move in our generation. Well, whose fault is that? You see, it's easy to say, well, God will do it sovereignly because then you have no responsibility. Amen? And, and I'll say this as well, and, I, and this isn't popular. I notice every time I say it, people kind of, mm. but it's true. There's a lot of people out there that don't want revival, but they want to be seen wanting revival. Am I right? I, I, there are a lot of people talking, well, Talking the revival, oh, we need, we need the Lord to move, blah, blah, blah. But if God moved, they'd run, a, they'd run a hundred miles in the opposite direction. Because they don't want God to move, they want you to see them wanting God to move. And, and, and one of the ways he's saying that is, and, and, I, and I've done it, I've challenged people. I've said, well, you, you, you say you want God to move, but what if he moved through somebody you didn't like? Through a preacher, oh, I can't stand him. Or I don't like that church. Yeah? Would, would you go? <laughs> would you say, oh, yes, Lord? Or, well, because see, one of the truths, as we all know, is that the present move of God is opposed most by those who are in the past move of God. That's just a spiritual fact. Okay? So, you know, I, I could name names, literally, in history. I could name movements where God is moving, say, in the present moment, but those that were in the previous movement of God, which is wonderful and glorious and, and open and free, but because God started to do a new thing over here, the folks in the old thing were, oh, wait a minute, what, what's going on? And they started to oppose what God is doing, Okay. There's a very, very famous preacher in history who God used mightily, probably greater than almost anybody in history up to that point. Certainly, he was up there. I'm talking a general. And God did something. Oh, by the way, through a woman. God started to, to do a mighty thing through a woman. And this particular preacher who I love, he's a hero of mine, but he didn't like that. And opposed this one and met a grizzly in. So it's easy, oh yes, revival, we're all, we're gathering for revival, but folks, 
It's revival, if you want to call it that in God's terms, not ours. And I'm going to suggest a better term of reference anyway. So arise, Savior, your light has come, and the glory of Yahweh is risen upon you. Okay? Who does the arising? Who does the shining? Not God, not the Holy Spirit, not angels. You and I do the arising. We do the shining. So it means we have to do something. Okay? And all we have to do is arise and shine. In other words, when I came in here this morning, all I had to do to get the lights was to hit a switch. Amen? Which is good news because it means we've paid our electricity bill. Amen? But arise, shine, your light has come. Has come. Has come. You see, we're looking for, oh, one day, one day, one day God's going to do something. And he says, no, your light has come. See, it's the light. It's the light and the glory that are the game changers. The light has come. So he says, so arise, shine. You say, ah, yeah, but, but we're waiting for God to do something. We're waiting for uh, Bethel to open up in Scotland. We're waiting for the man in the white suit to come to town. We're always waiting for something, for God to do something. And he says, the thing you need to do is arise and shine. Okay? And really all that means is position yourself and receive that which you've already received. I know that sounds... But, but that's the truth. You've already... The light has already come. Where's that light? It's in, it's in you. The light has come and you've gone as teaching us another night from darkness to light. That's past tense if you're a Christian. And it's available to anybody who's not a Christian. And he says here, he says, look, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, look. Behold simply means look. The darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. In other words, darkness is a condition that we're dealing with. We're always dealing with. It just gets darker and darker. As the light gets dimmer and dimmer. In other words, when the church is on the way. When the kingdom is not as powerful or as strong in manifestation as it once was. We talk about John Knox, we talk about Moody, we talk about all these great moves of God in the past. But folks, we're not living in those days now. So he says, it's going to get dark. And the reason why you need to rise and shine is because it's getting dark. He says, behold, the darkness is... Who, who doubts that darkness is covering the earth right now? Now, I've, I've been a Christian for years now, many decades, and I know it's always been dark out there, but it's never been as dark as it is right now. Never. Not even close. And he says, deep darkness of people... But Yahweh will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. His glory will be manifest. His glory will be visible. And that isn't just you're going to have a nice car, you're going to wear nice clothes, you know, the blessings going to be in your life. People will see that you're blessed. That's part of it. I believe that's a big part of it. But I believe when he says here his glory will be seen, he's talking about supernatural glory. Amen. He's talking about people saying, 
not just there's something different about you that people say, wow. Yeah? People staggering back because his glory. You, you, you'll be walking down, it's like, you know, the ready break advert, the glow. It's going to be something like that, isn't it? People say, there's something all over you. I mean, when we came in here this morning, you saw a glory cloud. Yeah? And we see the glory cloud in here quite a bit. We have that in churches, it happens. And gold dust, all that stuff. But I believe this is a whole new level. Who's, who's wanting a whole new level? Amen. This is what we're speaking about here, that it'll be seen. Seen by who? Seen by the people that need to see it. So that they're not saying, oh, is that those freakers going off to their church this morning? But, wow, look at them. And folks, here's the thing. Okay, they went out in a Mondeo, and they came back in a BMW. Amen. Amen. And that will be literal. But it'll also be a metaphor. Do you understand? You know, there was something about them when they left this morning to their meeting. But when they came back, well, look at them. The light, the glory that's emanating from them. I believe it's going to be literal. As in supernatural glory will be seen. The nations shall come to your light. Nations and multitudes are our destiny, folks. Okay, now, you know... If there was 200 people in here, it's easy to talk about nations and multitudes. But are we believing for nations and multitudes when there's a small group? Yeah? When there's a small group, let the anointing be in them as they could. Amen. (laughs) The nations shall come to your light. Not just a few folks. The nations shall come. But look what it says here, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And this is what the Lord said to me. That's what he saw in that vision. That's why you need to have the gathering. Because that's what he saw out there. But he did say this, didn't he? He said at the time, he said, it's not just here, Dad. It's in loads of churches. Am I right? It's, It's across the nations. So, can we believe for that when we don't see it with our physical eyes? Because he says here, uh, behold the darkness, behold the deep darkness. We can see that, can't we? We can see that all around us, but can we see this? Can we see God's response, God's answer, God's solution? Can we see that? Can we see God moving mightily and all of a sudden, whether it's the 20s and the 30s, there's the 200s and the 300s and then just grown exponentially so that there's 3,000. I was reading the other day about a man started off with a handful of people and he ended up with a church of 15,000. Now, you say, well, it's in America. Well, it is. But folks, it doesn't matter where it is. It's the same God. It's the same kingdom here in Britain as it is over in America. It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the same Bible. Lift up, yeah, and he says it. This is what he says. Lift up your eyes all around and see. And again, I was sharing this in, 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 in Bible college. We're not talking about seeing with our physical eyes, but we will see with, with physical eyes. Lift up your eyes all around and see, he says. He's talking about the eyes of the Spirit. If you can see this in your heart, if you can see this with your inner man, 
You will one day see it manifest. Wait, and you'll see it with your physical eyes. Lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together. They come to you. Hallelujah. Did we see that? Yes. Okay. Your sons shall come from afar, your daughters shall be nursed at your side. And they used, to, they used to nurse children, they used to carry children on their side. So he's saying, he's talking harvest. He's talking you having spiritual children. He's talking you having people that you have led to the Lord. And I don't mean that we're all going to be Billy Graham and all going to go on crusades or, or we're all going to get street preaching. He's saying, he's talking, this is about us all being involved in something that births children. Spiritual children, born again believers. All right? So, then you shall see. Then you shall see. And become radiant. How would you become radiant? With, with light, with glory. And your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. Now, I'm going to share a couple of things about that. And then we'll just look at something to do with the glory, which is so important. The abundance of the sea. But what is the sea? The sea is the world economy. The, sea, the Bible tells us in Revelation 17 that the great harlot Babylon sits upon many waters. And verse 15 it says, the waters that she sits on are people, nations, multitudes, and tongues. In other words, everything out there. Amen. All the world economy, all the system, the, the, the Babylonian system, the financial system, the political system, but really we're talking here about the economy or the world system, that which is out there, where all the wealth is. Whether that wealth is commodities, assets, property, land, gold, silver, precious jewels, actual cold hard cash, whatever you want to call it. It's all out there, isn't it? Yeah. It's the sea, the many waters. He says the abundance is going to be turned to you. The tide is turning, folks. Oh. Amen. The tide is turning. You ever seen, uh, you just need to get in, down the water, and you see in the Clyde when the tide's out, you see all the, you know, the, the, the ground, but when the tide's in, when the tide turns, you don't see the dry ground. All you see is abundance of water. So he said the abundance of the sea. And that's why he says in Revelation 18, he says all the merchants in the sea carrying all those goods, all those precious things, they're weeping, they're wailing, the kings of the earth are wailing. Why? Because they've lost all that wealth. What happened? Did it drown in the sea? Did it, did it, did it disappear? Did God, you know, zap it from heaven and, and wipe it. No, it went somewhere else. Folks, it went into your hands Amen. and mine. Yes. Yes. He says, the abundance of the sea oh. shall be turned to you. Oh. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. Now you say, oh, Pastor, oh, oh this, this sounds like the prosperity gospel. Folks, we left the prosperity gospel behind a long time ago. <laughs> Amen. If you're still in the prosperity gospel, then you need to go up a whole different level. Or levels. Because this is not talking about that God's going to give you 
two nice cars in your driveway and give you, you know, a, a five-bedroom villa somewhere. And, you know, it, it, we're not talking about you having a better life. We're not talking about you being GRU, and for those that are old enough to remember GRU. We're talking about kingdom wealth, where you fund the work of God in the earth. Where you buy satellite TV companies and say no more smut, only the gospel. Amen? Where you buy media outlets and newspapers and you say no more lies and propaganda for globalists and bankers, but the truth. The facts and the truth. And you have the, the, the means to do that. But, but here's what I want to say as well. That word wealth is the Hebrew word kyle. And it doesn't just mean physical riches or wealth. It also means people. It means hosts or armies. In other words, throngs of people. He says the throngs. The King James says the forces of the Gentiles. And he, he means armies. That's what he means. In other words, vast multitudes coming shall come to you. And you see, the whole theme of Isaiah 60 is wealth transfer. But it isn't just physical wealth includes that. Kyle includes that. You ought to get a book by a guy called John Eckhart called Kyle. And he speaks about what Kyle means. It's a glorious book. But the book is actually for women because when Proverbs it says, um, you know, a woman of valor, who wants to be a woman of valor? Men, don't put your hand up. Okay? That word vile, valor is kyle. A woman of wealth. A woman of substance. A woman of uh, not just value, not just, oh, oh yes, what a wonderful woman she is. You know, in that patronizing way. But talking about a woman who has, and then it, it tells you in Proverbs 31, this is a businesswoman. Amen. This is a woman who run, who has a business. Oh. Her husband sits in the gates. You know, people say, oh yes, we need to go back to the man who's out and works. And the woman sits in the house and takes care of the wains and bakes and cooks all day long. Folks, read the Bible. She bakes and cooks while she's running a very successful business enterprise. And the man sits in the gates, which means the man is known and esteemed and has honour. Why? Because he has a woman of valour in the house. Amen. A woman of Kyle, which means wealth, which means riches, which means teeming with everything that a woman or a person uh, should have. Her children are clothed in the, the finest. Amen. Amen. It, it actually says she's got servants. Wouldn't you like servants? Okay. Amen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cooks, cleaners, whatever. Yeah, folks, it's Bible. And it's, it's what he's talking about here. But I said, I, I, I want to show you something here because you say, right, okay. Because here's the word I want to give you. That is, um, I think, better than revival, awakening, outpouring. These, these are good terms. We know what they mean, but they, want, they don't cover the fullness. And I think the word I'm talking about here is, is glory. Who wants the glory? See, the glory isn't just, oh, revival, loads of people came to church. Or loads of people get saved last night. That's glorious. Part of it. But, but where did they, what did they come to? What, what did they come to 
in the Lewis revival? What did they come to in the Welsh revival? What did they come to in the Great Awakening? They came to the glory. Didn't they? The glory of God was manifest. The glory of God showed up and, you know, and people just said, we're going to get a church. I know a man who was saved. He's passed on now, obviously. He was saved in the Lewis revival. Stoughton drunk. Walking down the street. Boom! The Lord arrested him. On the street. Not sitting in a meeting. Oh yes, amen. Amen, pastor. This guy had no interest at all. You never met a more godly man. You never met. When this guy opened his mouth, heaven came down. He ended up being a Church of Scotland missionary. The, the, the ministers up there were missionaries. Uh, what a glorious, amazing man of God. But what happened? He encountered the glory. He encountered the glory when he wasn't looking for it. And he was, he was drunk. And minding his own business and doing his very best to avoid <laughs> the Lewis revival. And, and he's a very well-known guy in it. Point I'm trying to say is this, is we need that. We don't just need, oh well, you know, let's have another meeting. Let's beg, ball and squall for revival. And that's what I want to talk about here in the little time we've got left. He says, Arise, sign you, let's come, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So in other words, if it's glory we're after, if it's manifest glory, the presence, the glory, the power, the authority, all of that literally manifesting in our midst, and manifesting not even just in our midst, but in, in that, the case of Norman, like I was speaking about, way out there. You know, I heard Stevie talking about, uh, was it Maria Woodworth Theatre and a 40 mile radius and all that. These things have happened in church history. So, here's what I want to say, right? If we turn to Colossians chapter 1, you see, I can get out of Isaiah 60. But Colossians chapter 1, is what I want us to look at. And you know, this is, this is the very raison d'etre, I believe, of why we're having these meetings. Okay? And not just having these meetings, but I think should be our thinking, uh, the paradigm that we walk in. I just want to encourage you to, to be in that place. I'm not saying that some of you are already there, but I want to help you along if you are. Amen. This is just an encouragement. It's not, a, oh, well, you're not, you're, not, um, you're not meeting the standard. You get a lot of that as well. Okay? And, here's, and I want to say this. This is not going to be popular, but I, I don't say it's going to be popular. People say, oh, the key to revival is repentance. We must repent more. Folks, I know people that have been repenting for decades. <laughs> you need to repent more, though. You're not repenting enough. Folks, if repentance was the key to revival, I'm sure everybody in this room would, would be. Because our heart is when we do something wrong, to repent, isn't it? But we've made repentance an idol. Oh, oh, oh you know, um, are you sorry for your sin? Yeah, that's why I got saved. Amen. I, I like what one guy said. He was even blunt, believe it or not, blunt, more blunt speaker than me. You know, we've been doing the, um, what's that word, the scripture? We've been calling, if my people shall call on my name and repent and humble themselves, 
We've been doing, humbling ourselves and repenting for 20 years. Where's the move of God? See, we've made it again. There's two, there's two, there's two, on the, on the, the road, there's a ditch that side, there's a ditch that side. One of the ditch that side, it's all sovereign, it's all God. We can't do anything, no point in praying. And on this side, is, it's all dependent on our repentance. So if there's no revival, there's no enough repentance going on. I'm here to tell you today, okay, that we're not repenting enough. So the reason that we're not having revival is because you guys aren't repenting enough. And it's easy to say that as a preacher, isn't it? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a preacher. The Reverend Diane Jolly. <laughs> Not so jolly because you guys aren't repenting. But that's the other side of the ditch. It's, you know, when we make it all about, well, God's not moving because you guys are not goody two-shoes anymore. And, and I want to say to you today that that's not Bible. Look what Colossians chapter 1 says here. Just, we know this verse. These are all familiar verses to us. He says, uh, verse, let's just read from verse 26. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. A hidden mystery. Who would have thought, see, oh, we know it all. I've got all the commentaries. I've got my Bible app. With all the different commentaries, I read what all these guys say. I know, I know the Bible. I know the Bible. Well, the Bible says there's mysteries that have been hidden. They're not hidden from from us. They're hidden for us. And it's the mysteries that we need to know. All right. It says here, but now has been revealed to his saints. So they're not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. But if all you have is head knowledge, if all you have is a, a bookcase full of commentaries and teaching books, revelation knowledge is the key to this. And I want to say this to you, the key to revival, I believe, and I just want to share it, put it out there. It, we, of course, repentance is part of it. I'm not saying we don't repent or flip and blub about things. But what I'm saying to you is, it's not repentance, it's revelation. It's revelation. Because every revival that ever was has brought the church into deeper revelation, higher, greater revelation. So, well, that's the result of revival. But what if it's not just the result? What if it is the catalyst? What if it is the, the very thing that brings revival? Because let me, let me ask you a question. Here's, here's the simple thing. If Jesus was corporally in his body standing here right now, what would he not know that would bring revival? I mean, well, guys, I would love to share how revival comes. And I'm the son of God, but, it's, but I don't know all the answers, folks. Jesus was a walking revival, wasn't he? And he's no longer the man that walked the shores of Galilee and laid hands. He's the risen Lord of, the, of, of everything. Okay? And, and that's the key to this. You see, we say, well, well, I don't know how to get revival in my town. I don't know how we, I don't know how we, this great move of God, how do we do it? Okay? Well, he knows. Amen? And if he knows, and you want to know, then you need the revelation of what he knows. 
It's that simple. It's not bawling, squalling, fasting, screaming, oh, or, you know, oh, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be wonderful? It's, Lord, you know. Now do it. Now reveal it. If there's anything I need to do, and he says, I already have, it's called Arise, Shine, Your Light, Come, the glory is risen. All you need to do is position, for, in other words, receive it. Now, I'm not talking about rocking up and going, Lord, I receive it. Wow. Amen, I receive. We're not talking about that. We're talking about receiving by faith. Aren't we? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, I knew this. We all knew this. But, you know, I, I, I preach faith, 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 faith. I'm a, we're word of faith people. Okay. And if you come to us, we'll tell you, speak the word, confess the word, meditate the word, and so on. But there's a missing dimension. And even I found myself de deficit in this. Okay, and I want to share this with you just before we close this off. It says here, verse 27, to them, that's to the saints, to the saints, to you, are you a saint? I'm a saint, amen. To them, God will, God will. God was, mm, I don't know, I'd love to, but mm, have you repented enough? Have you guys repented enough? I don't see it, I don't see your repentance. <laughs> I don't see it deep. See, thank God that, God is not pastor dry dust. Amen? God willed. God willed. In other words, it's God's will. To make known. To make known. In other words, God willed that the saints would know. To make it known to them. His will is to make it known. What are the riches of this glory Well, that was good timing, wasn't it? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The angelic forces. Um, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the nations. Amen. Among the nations. We're just reading about the nations. Nations and multitudes are your destiny, brother, sister. To make known to the saints the riches of the glory of this mystery. In other words, he's not holding it from you. He's holding it for you. Until you're in a place where you say, Lord, I want to mature. I want to be in that place. I'm ready. I'm positioned. Now make known. The riches of the glory of this mystery. Which is, what is the mystery? Christ in you. Oh, but, you know... We need something a lot more theological. We need something a little bit more complex. No, no. The mystery is Christ is in you. The one who knows how to make revival happen. Yeah? Are you going to get revival without Christ? Or the Holy Spirit, who's also in you? Amen? Are you going to get revival sitting in the pub, watching, uh, you know, football, Knocking back the tenants, you know, going home watching EastEnders and saying, I wonder where I left my Bible. I've not seen it since I was at church three months ago. Are you going to be a, a solemn assembly? In other words, a serious people. Solemn and serious doesn't mean po-faced, religious. It means 
I've got intentionality. I'm positioning myself so that everything that they're talking about, I'm going to walk in that. So that even, even if it, it just happens, I'm ready for it. But folks, but Lord, I want to be more than just somebody that happens to. I want to be somebody that happens through. Okay, so he says here, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now, if you're like me, uh, and, and there's a little bit of this as word of faith teaching, if I'm being really honest. We always saw sort of hope as kind of inferior to faith, yeah? The Bible says there's hope, there's, there's faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. We're not, we're not disputing that. But hope was like, well, hope is the, we've heard this, hope is the goal setter and all this type of thing. But the Greek word for hope is not like the English word for hope. The English word for hope means wish, yeah? Mm-hmm. I sure do hope so. Yeah? Uh, you know, are you, are you going to receive such things? I sure do hope so. In other words, I wish. I hope one day I'll live in a better house. I hope one day I'll have a better job. I hope one day things are better for me. That's wishing, isn't it? But that's not what the Greek word means at all. There's no element of wishing in the Greek word, elpis. It doesn't mean I sure do wish that that was going to happen, that was the case. The, the, The Greek word elpis means trust and Completely confident and assured expectation. Not as in, oh, I hope it happens one day. It's, I'm fully expecting it. I mean, it could happen right now, but I sure do expect it. Confidently. Assuredly. It's a certainty. Certain expectation is what Elpis means. So when he says, when we read Isaiah chapter 16, this is how we read it. Well, maybe how I read it. But I'm, I know a lot of Christians feel the same. Well, he's talking about the glory. He's talking about revival. Oh, I sure do hope that happens in my lifetime. That's how we hear it, isn't it? Oh, I hope to see that. Before they put me in the sod, I sure do hope to see God move one day in this land. Yeah? That's how I hope. And of course, we know that the, the, the rapture, resurrection, where the, the, the living saints are transformed and the, the dead saints are right. We call that the blessed hope. But, it, but we, we understand that it doesn't mean, oh, I hope that happens. Because when they lay me in the clay, folks, I'm not going to go down there hoping. Amen. I'm going down there expecting that I won't be down there long. Yeah? Um, there is no grave at that song. We're going to hold my body down. That's, that's how we go down. We don't go down saying, oh my goodness, I hope I've lived. I hope I believe right because I'm never coming out of here again. The blessed hope is earnest expectation. Certain assurance. So what I want to say to you is when we read Isaiah chapter 60, and oh, the glory. The glo- oh, you know, I hear Bill talk a lot about the glory. Oh, that's wonderful. I sure do hope we see that one day. But when you say, we talk about the glory, we know it's going to happen, but is it going to happen? I don't know, I'm, I'm hoping. 
the Bible says, Christ in you is the hope of that glory. That, that really encapsulates what I felt the Lord was saying for this message today. Christ in you is the hope of that. But it ain't a wish. Christ in you, the hope of... We talk about glory. We want the glory. Yeah, ah, we're going to get the glory when we die. Well, it's going, it's going to be glorious when we die. We're going to get in the glory. But folks, I need the glory now. You need the glory now. Because when it says the wealth of the nations, the abundance of the sea will become to you because of the light, because of the glory, it's a magnet. You're a magnet. You're drawing these things. You won't need them in the grave. You won't need them when you're in heaven because it's all you're going to have it all in heaven. It's not going to suck it up from the earth up to heaven. You need the wealth of the nations now in your mix, in your purse. That's just the wealth. You need all that the glory has. I was sharing this the other night. You need to see what's in the glory because thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is you pulling what's in the glory, out of the glory, bringing it into earth and, and slamming it down and making it manifest all around you so that people will see and say, there's something different about Carly. There's something different about Margaret. Hallelujah. We see it in their lives. They drove out in a Mondeo and they came back in a Bentley. <coughs> and go read Isaiah 60. We'll look at it again another time. It's all upgrade. It's all upgrade. It's all upgrade. It's all multiplication. You started off with 10, you're going to end up with 10 million. I'm just talking money there. I'm just multiplication, increase, glory. There's no limit in the glory. There's no, he is the infinite source. Of all that we need. And it's, oh well, we're just barely getting by. No, folks, Isaiah 60 is not barely getting by. Barely getting by is churchianity. He is the earnest expectation, the confident assurance that the glory of Isaiah 60 and other chapters and loads of loads of places in Scripture, all the blessing, the blessing of Abraham supernatural favour, the power to get wealth, uh, the spirit of wisdom, all, of these, all the things that are available to every blessing in spiritual realms and heavenly places in Christ in the glory, he is the earnest assurance and confident expectation that that's going to show up. You're here for one purpose. We're going to close this. You're here for one purpose, one purpose only. Because if, if, if you're not here for this purpose, why are you here? To make up the numbers... No. To fill up you. I tell you right now, I don't want a meeting where it's all about filling the pew. Remember what Bert said? And, and, and this is, he was so right. Church is a senate. Yeah. It's not a show. Yeah. You know, I'm up here, I'm preaching, but folks, church is a senate. It's a parliament. It's a governmental assembly. Yeah, it's not a spectator sport. Oh. Everybody here should be functioning in that governmental realm. So, he's saying Jesus in you is your confident assurance that this glory is going to show up in your life. And you're here for the purpose of manifesting what's up there in the glory. And it's not, I said that again the other night, it's not thousands of light years away, you know. It's within your reach. 
And in fact, it's closer than that. It's within you. The kingdom is within you. The glory is within you. Amen. Yeah, yeah. And you can see me and find me when you accept to leave the body of Christ. When you do that. Exactly. You'll find. That's when the glory manifests. Uh, when we search for him with all that. And he's not lost. It doesn't mean search for him as I know. Can you find him? He might be up there. I'll share a wee thing that's a wee funny, if you like. But I used to do this. I loved, when I was younger, when I was a boy, teenager, I loved going into churches. And I don't know why, I don't know why, I've said this before, but I used to think that God was up behind the organ. <laughs> you know, churches I went to, with the big organs, I used to think, well, nobody can get up there. That must be where God is. <laughs> I wasn't scared. But it was, there's the organ. We used to have a big organ up there, apparently long before my time. But we used to have a big organ there. And I used to think, when I used to go to churches with organs, that, that's where God is up there. Okay? He's not hiding from us. We're not, it's not uh, hide and seek. When we search for him, it simply means we go after him with everything. And if, if there's anything to take from this, and it's, again, it's not bawling, swollen, screaming, crying out, oh, oh Lord, we beseech thee, Lord, oh Lord, we need thee. Folks, your light has come. What we, what we seek him for, what we earnestly pursue him for, is the revelation. And it's, let me just say this to you, it's technological. It's technology. That word technology comes from Two Greek words, tech, which means like an artisan or, or working with materials, technology, technician, and logos, which means the word. God wants us to be technicians of the spirit, that we understand how that we can partner and co-labor with him so that he can work with us to manifest glory all around us an ever-widening circle, so it starts off in a small circle just around about you, in your house, in your person, in your family, in your community, in your church, in your nation, in the nations. Divine technology of glory. So that we understand how to be, how to uh, flow with the Spirit and allow the Christ in us to manifest his glory through us, as us, all around us, with that world. That's it. That's really the message for today. I hope the Lord has blessed you with that. And really that's what we're about in these meetings with the gathering. And um, you know, we're going to have other speakers come along and stuff like that. But the important thing is that we're, we're gathering for a reason. We're positioning for glory. I did say positioning for awakening, positioning for revival. I'm now upgrading that. Positioning for glory. Amen. Amen. I'm positioned for glory right now. <coughs> I don't know about you, I'm positioned for glory. Well, I'll just zap you in. But he might just zap us. 
But, but if he doesn't zap us, then what I'm going to do every day is be a little bit more uh, growing it. Does that make sense? So that every morning I get up, Lord, I'm ready, I'm positioned. I'm, I'm, so give me wisdom, give me revelation. Give me knowledge of this mystery of Christ in me. The earnest expectation, the confident assurance of glory. And I believe as we do that, and we all ought to do it, I believe that, I'm just encouraging you to do it, then we'll see it. And then one day people say, you know the glory of God will be seen upon you. You see, that's because I, ar- I arose and, sh- and shone. And I'm arising and I'm shining. Amen? I'm saying right now, I'm arising and I'm shining. Positioned for glory. The Lord bless you, folks.